Okay, so what's our podcast name? Yes, <laughs> you got it last time, and I was so proud of you. Our podcast we is called. We read all the queer books. Yes, that is it. You know it. I'm Liz. She, her. Baz, he, they. We have rules. Our rules are that there must be prominent AFAB or NB characters. Um, things can't be too real, as in it has to like make us laugh or be hopeful in some way. What's our last rule? No gratuitous violence. Yes. Um, I think that's it. If you recommend books, try to keep these in mind. Today we are talking about The Adventures of Amina El Sharafi by Shannon Chakrabarty, right? Sure, yeah. <laughs> I think she also, um, in another series I read by her, her name uh, is written as S.A. Chakrabarty. So oh. she also writes by that name sometimes. Okay. We're starting with spoiler-free review, and so when you hear some drums, don't listen anymore if you don't want to know spoilers. So the main character is Amina El Sarafi, the title character. And she is somewhere between 30... And 40? And 40, yeah. Which is nice. Like I think like, like 35 to 40. Like, she's on the later end, and all of the main characters basically are... Like, full-ass adults. Which, which we like so much. Yeah, it was so oh, nice. So refreshing. It's, it, like, in that... Edge of glory. Oh, wait, let's call that. That's what I was gonna call it. <laughs> you got it. Um, like, in Edge of Glory, like, they talk about, like, body pains and some, mm-hmm. like, stuff like that. That was just, like... They it live, was just nice. They live lives. They have, like, regrets. And right. they feel like people. Like, very um, full-fleshed-out people. The characters in this are all like, very, like, you get backstories, and not the full backstories, but enough, again, Mm -hmm. like, enough to give them all, like, a lot of depth and character, and just, like, you really understand why they connect with each other, and, like, how deeply connected some of them are. So, we should say the setting of this book is super cool. It takes place, it's kind of almost, even though it's a fantasy book, it's, like, a historical setting, so Uh it takes place... In medieval I would call times, it fantasy or historical, historical fantasy, historical fiction. Yeah, um, so it takes With place. Fantasy. So maybe historical <laughs> fantasy. Um, I don't know if that's a genre, but yeah, that is what this We're was. We're making it up. Yes, it's historical fantasy. <laughs> it's historical fantasy. So it takes place in medieval times, but it takes place in the Middle East, and I like knew nothing about the medieval Middle East, and it's so interesting, and it was so cool to learn about. Well. Doesn't it take place in between the Middle East and India? Yeah. Um, and so they are on a ship, like, 50% of the book. So, like, they're they're kind of back and forth between a, a number of different places, but it's that general mm-hmm. area. And it's like, I don't know, it's like a really, it was like a super diverse time. Super um, diverse cast of characters. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, I because, like, you know, being like like, a white person who went through U.S. schooling, when I think of the Middle East, I'm like, knights and castles and the feudal system, and that's not what this is at all. It's like... That's what you think of the yeah. Middle East? Yeah! No, shit, Middle Ages, not the Middle East. I was like, <laughs> why do you think that of the Middle no, East? the Middle Ages. Like, I, I don't... like, bro, what like, are you learning in school? <laughs> that's what I think of medieval times, and, like, I knew nothing about what things were like in the Middle East at this time, because we just never learned that in school, and I don't really read I history. learned a little bit about some of it, because female pirates... <laughs> 
(laughs) (laughs) I, like, legitimately just, like, I had a couple books that were, like, just female pirates slash badass females from over the years. I love it. And there's one really famous one from China from... Maybe a little later than this, but still kind of like this kind of era. Yeah, so Mina was like, she was a pirate captain in her youth, and then the book starts when she she has a so youngish more smugglers than smugglers, pirates. Yeah, that's fair. Um, just to, because they kind of mention that, like, they, they're not really killers. Like, they, no. they kill if necessary, but... But they're not trying to murder no, people. No, they're trying to make a living and there's a lot of conversation about the how the system fucks up fucks over poor people and stuff so there's it it also just like has a lot of really interesting commentary on society some of which is very very still (laughs) still relevant still relevant (laughs) yeah so basically the story is amina has retired for 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. She has a, like, I think about 10-year-old daughter. Um, we know that some shit went down when she retired. That was bad, but we don't exactly know what at first. That's why she retired, and it's all, like, like dramatic Mysterious. badness, but they don't go into it for a while. She, um, she hasn't really talked with any of the friends that she, who were on her ship for 10 years. Yeah, um, any of her cohorts. Yeah. She's living with her parents and her kid- Basically in the wilderness, like, she's staying off the grid because yeah. of the shit that went down. <laughs> right. So they, that's where it opens up with someone coming to they basically, her. like, contract her. And, like, that's where it all opens up. It's very, it's kind of like a very typical beginning of that kind of story. So and I she, thought they did it really well. Yeah, she's basically offered so much money And she's like, if I take this one last job, then my family will never have to worry about money again. So it kind of reluctantly goes back. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and it's one of those things where, like, they make it really clear that, like, she kind of doesn't have another option because they really, even though she was, like, a smuggler and a pirate, like, and she retired with an okay amount of money... It's, like, a decade later, mm-hmm. she has a kid, there are new other kids in the family that they're, like, trying to prepare for. So, like, they need the money. And, and so that's also... actually a conversation, which I thought was kind of cool. Because yeah. usually it's just, like, if you apply to their, like, like, if you go after the big, like, hero person and just, like, beg them to help you or, like, offer them money, like, they'll just do it. And she, like really thinks about it and really puts a lot of effort and even thinks about like am I doing this because I want to do it and she does she really misses being a pirate she misses her boat and so that's like that's a real tension that she struggles with was like wanting to be with her daughter versus wanting to sail off and have more adventures right um and it's all from her perspective but there are these little individual chapters in between some chapters that have, like, extra history from the, quote, narrator. Yeah, they're, like, excerpts, kind of, from historical documents right. or recorded stories. And, like, so it, like, gives you just, like, more information, which I thought was a really interesting way to flesh out a world. Mm-hmm. I really I like haven't when really do that. had seen that before. I've seen that in a few... There's, like, a few epic fantasy books. Like, okay. Dune does that. Brandon Sanderson does that. It's, I don't read those books. 
It's like, I feel like in, like, epic fantasy, it's done somewhat often, and I always really like it. I think it's such a cool way to flesh out a world. Baz just mentioned the narrator. So the whole story is framed as, like, a story within a story where someone is recording, a scribe called Jamal is recording Amina's adventures, basically. But Amina's telling the story. Yes. And Jamal's in the background saying shit and adding shit to things. Mostly it's just uh, Amina talking, but every once in a while she's like, Jamal, don't be so prudish. Or like, Jamal, this is what I did. Deal with it. Right. Or like, (laughs) like, Jamal, are you sure you want to have the full true story? (laughs) Like, it's it's just like really kind of cute. It makes it feel like... I don't know, like, you're a part of it. Like, you're, like, in the room with her, and then, like, it'll get into the story, and you'll forget that that's what's happening, and then she'll randomly (laughs) shout it again, and you'll be, like, she yanked out for a second, but, like, in kind of, like, a a very fun way. Yeah. I'm also, I'm such a sucker for story within story tropes, and I also, like, like, I had a, like, copy of, you know, like, Tales from the Arabian Nights as a kid, and, like, oh my god, that's, like, that's such a thing in a lot of those folk tales to do stories within stories. So, I don't know, that felt good for the setting, too, because of that. And she, at some points, will tell some of her past to give context to the story that she's Mm -hmm. telling at that moment, too. So then there's, like, a story within that story. (laughs) Within a story. (laughs) It's, like, I, I really do think it's very well done, like, it just feels like an Arabian Nights yeah. story. It feels like something that has existed forever. Well, at the very beginning, you kind of hear Jamal's perspective, and he's, like, talking about why he's telling the story and why he's telling it the way that he is, and he says, more than anything, I think stories are to entertain, and that's why I'm telling the story this way. And it's so entertaining. It is like, so entertaining. It's just so fun. Even when, like, bad things are happening, like, it, it's just very it's entertaining. So <laughs> Um, she is threatened with rape yes. at one time. Um, and again, like, those parts of the book are genuinely disturbing. Um, very not good. It And she brings up the fact that, like, of, like this is the most standard threat. And, like, I think that's why it does not happen. No one touches her um, in that way. But that sucked. But again, like... I feel like it didn't feel gratuitous. It felt like this is a deeply disturbing thing that's happening. And, like, this is going to be deeply disturbing. It was dealt with well. And, honestly, also the fact that it was a woman writing it, I think, helped me with that, too. Right. And it just... I... The fact that they talk about it, like, this is something that's always going to be threatened first. Like, again, it's in that point... Where it's, like, it sucks to have it come up, but at the same time, like, they're bringing up all of the other pieces. And yeah. it, it does feel really important then to just, like, really acknowledge all of the things. And the fact that they, it doesn't even come close to happening. No. There's nothing like that. That that one thread of rape was really the only thing, and it was, I think it was well it done. It was really disturbing in the midst of the, some of the most horrifying things I've ever read. And I think that that's just a part of it. A lot of body horror in those parts. A lot of body horror. There is a, there is, yeah, a lot of gore. Yeah. But again, none of it feels, doesn't feel gratuitous. It it, feels like there's a purpose. It feels like it's happening for a reason. Right. And not. And it's a high fantasy action, like, saga. Like. I don't know. Yes. Having, like, deep, 
dramatic, you know, it's the whole, like, one ring thing. Like, I don't know. Like, the, 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 everything is just super high stakes. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, I get it. I mean, the book really made me think of, like, Indiana Jones more than anything else. Just the way that it's, like, good adventure, characters who feel like real characters, and some stuff that has some kind of horror elements to it sometimes. Um, yeah. But in, like, a super interesting setting. Yeah. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it's this book. It's so good! It's so good. And the audiobook, again, I was a little unsure about the reader at first, but very much got into it. Um, I had read her, I think her first series, which is the Devabad trilogy. It's a really good trilogy, but this one was just so fun. It was just such a fun high season adventure. it's a single book. I think she plans to write two more of them. Okay, I fucking hope so. Me too. I so badly want there to be more of this. Um, especially because they deal with a lot of the, like, really bad things in this one, and so I kind of feel really excited about the next two being a little bit, like, less heavy, and also, like, really exploring these characters that they slowly built up throughout this whole book. Spoilers. Um, what do you want to talk about first? Well, so an old lady comes to get her to go find her supposedly kidnapped granddaughter. And the way that she also finally convinces Amina to go is A, she offers a ridiculous amount of money. But B, it turns out that this is the daughter of one of her Amina's old... dead um crewmate that she was like super close to and you can tell she feels very responsible for the death very guilty you don't know why for a while yeah she's super she has like a whole complex about Mm -hmm. it it's the reason she hasn't talked to the other characters for the whole time she thinks everything's her fault and it very much comes out that like it's not no and like I honestly saw that, like, the moment she was all like, it's my fault, I was like, mm, I kind of doubt that. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, one of those tropes that just felt like... And she's, I mean, because she's very much, she's the leader, right? She's the captain. Right. She takes a lot so on. So everything is her responsibility in her mind. But she's also so much more mature in a way that, yeah. like, uh, you know, younger characters do that to a point where it's crippling. And Amina has a tendency to do that, but it doesn't, you know, like... I would it's say not... her not speaking to her only friends for ten years is okay, crippling. that's fair. That's fair. I think <laughs> once she cut, gets back into it, they actually work on that, and by the end of the book, she's like, I'm not keeping any more secrets yeah. from my people. So I feel like she works through that in this, but at the beginning, she very much is still... It is crippling, the way that she yeah. has decided to just take it on all herself. So she basically, once she decides to go do it, she leaves her daughter with her mom to take care of for a and bit. Her dad and, and stuff. her dad, yeah. And then she goes to get the gang back together, basically. So the yeah, first she stop, starts with Dalila. Dalila, the love Dalila, Queen of Poisons. I she has some official yeah. name. Uh, something it's it's like that. She's she's a poisoner though. Like she, she also does explosives though. Any. 
any chemical. She's basically your chemist. And she's part of, like, a group called the, like, Banu Susan, something yeah. like that, who are, but like, I, assassins and yeah, poisoners. Yeah, so she, it's not a, a group, it's a group of people, it's not a people. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's not about race or anything, it's like, she Dalila was... is also Christian, which is interesting, because yes. Amina is Muslim. She speaks a bunch of languages, she knows how to change the inflection of each language so that it seems like she's from mm-hmm. wherever that's from. She's, like, the chemist primarily, and yeah. Amina, so I love, so when Amina, Dalila's the first person she goes to be like, hey, I'm going on this thing, I know I haven't talked to you in ten years, but I really want you to really come help me. And so the first thing Amina thinks when she goes inside is she's like, I'm pretty sure Dalila won't kill me. me. I'm like, 90% sure. 90% sure. <laughs> And then at one point, after, like, a few minutes, Dalila ends up um, offering her a drink. They never say what the drink is. Um, Amina hesitates. Yeah, Amina looks at it and is like, would she kill me this way? And then she's like, you know what? If she was going to kill me, she would have killed me in one of five ways that she could have already done it. So then she drinks it, and it's really funny. But... I love Dalila's, like, signature murder weapon is she wears this, like... Like turban. Turban that has... poisons. You Like, it sounds like uh, it's pretty kind place to have, like, dangling jewels and yes. glass from turbans. Oh, yeah. But, um, Dalila... To decorate them. Yeah, Dalila puts all of her vials of poison on her, so then she can just smash them and pull them off and throw them. Yeah, and she also... Her favorite, um... Her favorite thing to make besides poisons is knockout gas. Mm-hmm. She also plays with explosives several times. Amina, every time, is like, stop! Blowing things up on my wooden ship. <laughs> um, and then later, Dalila uses that to save her, and she's like, thanks, thanks she's for like, having Aren't you explosives. happy I played with explosives now? That's <laughs> really funny. They're, they're wonderful. I love them. Dalila, I would say also, is very much that quintessential character who had to grow up on their own and, like, really created a persona to make everyone, like, fear and respect mm-hmm. her out of necessity. Um, and so even the people close to her didn't quite understand if she really liked them or, like, really, like, wanted yeah. that. Yeah, there's a point where I feel like Amina's like, you like me, yeah, and Dalila's literally. like, no, I don't. <laughs> well, and it's like, so Dalila ends up, I mean, she counts Amina as her family. Yes. But Amina just didn't really understand that until this book, I feel like, like until they meet each other she's again. She's very hurt, too, that Amina didn't. contact her for so long yeah and it's just like that's that's a big part of i think them like growing into each other and learning Mm -hmm. about each other by the end all of them all of them have some level of family and they have all decided to like continue being together um and it's it's very much you know found family Mm -hmm. trope with real family like blood family mixed in in a way that i thought was like pretty cool. It is really cool. Um, but yeah, so Amina collects the Queen of Poisons. <laughs> and then they go to get her ship, which uh, Timbu, who is her first mate, has been taking care of this whole time. Yeah, and he has been doing only honest jobs, mm-hmm. but he has still been taking care of the ship. Um, Timbu, and... uh, the ship's called the Marawati. Yeah. And Timbu is like... He's, like, brilliant at fixing the ship and disguising the ship and just doing any kind of ship work. He's but just But he doesn't know of. how to talk to people that aren't criminals. Yes. <laughs> so, literally the first time you see him, 
she sees her ship for the first time and she's so excited and she's like, oh my god, it's the love of my life. I'm so excited to see him. <laughs> and then she sees that it's surrounded by two warships and Timbu, uh, Tin, Tindu is uh, getting <laughs> slapped by one of the officials because he, tries he to obviously bribes, <laughs> tried to bribe him. And she can't hear anything, but she knows. Yep. She's like that fucking moron just tried to bribe that motherfucking official and so then he gets accused of a bunch of stuff and he's gonna be straight up murdered with her whole crew by like tomorrow they like impound the ship and it's like only Mm -hmm. dalila and amina and they're like well we need to somehow no dalila says let's find a different way amina goes I am not leaving true. my ship. <laughs> and Dali's like, Dali's like, you like him better. And she, Amina's like, not him, my ship. I'm talking about my <laughs> ship. I need my ship. Um, so they end up, <laughs> oh my God. So they follow the bandits being like taken in. And that's how they find out that Tindu has a new lover who is a... Do you remember his name? I don't. No, but he's only in it for a few yeah. minutes. Um, he is a, a high-born Jewish man. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so they end up, like, like, cornering him in an alley and convincing him to help them, um, get Tindu released. Like, conning it so that they... <laughs> And it's just like he's so bad at lying and being part of the con. He's very (laughs) sweet, and that's also how she, partly how she clocks him because she's like, my type of man is, like something I should not do because they're all mischievous and stupid. She often talks about how she has terrible taste in men. (laughs) Yes, and she's had she's on her fifth husband. Um, only one of those relationships, all of those relationships have ended, and only one of them ended mutually okay. Uh (laughs) Real quick aside here, too, I thought it was super interesting that, so what Amina does is basically she, she kind of has some rules for herself. She was always Muslim, but she broke a number of rules, but she still had, like, her own code. More devout. And now she's become much more devout. So one of the rules for herself always is that when she, like, wants to be with a man, she marries him, and then when she's done being with him, for whatever reason, she divorces him, and Mm -hmm. they move on to the next one. And so it's a really, it's such, it's really interesting because she's... It is really interesting. Right? She's, like, both kind of following the tenets of her religion. But also kind of by, like, by the letter of the law, not the spirit of the law. (laughs) But she's also, like, monogamous, you know, with the person she's with and, like, doesn't, Mm -hmm. like, have sex with them until they're married and stuff. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's really interesting. I thought it was well done. I thought it was a very interesting way to deal with that stuff. But yeah, she has terrible taste in men. Dolly Love remarks on it often. Amina admits it. She has my taste in men. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Dalila, I want to be ace. Ace? She, Dalila's just like, no one's worth the time. Dalila wants to blow things up, and that is basically all she wants to do. Yeah, she doesn't really seem interested in, like, sexual romance. Yeah, she never mentions anything, and there's a point where it's like, there's a, so much trauma in her past that it's like, do we know if she's ace versus, like, she has just decided that she cannot or doesn't want to? And it was just, like, really cool to have her just be, like, 
pretty much like one track mind. She's super intelligent. She loves her friends. She's obsessed with like taking care of and them. And she right like it's in Oh my god, it's so good because so basically the the old lady who hires Amina ends up blackmailing her eventually and threatening her family. Dolly is immediately like kill her, kill her, murder her. And Dolly Amina... says that about everything, which is why I <laughs> so love Dolly. Good. And Amina... that's literally how I react to things. Yes. kill them. And Amina is like, well, I can't because she's put things in place. So if something happens to her, my family will get hurt. And Dolly is like, you know what you should have done? Put a uh, poison in her tea that's undetectable the first time you met her, and then she would have seemingly died from natural causes over a month, and you would have been fine. And this- if you had just kept in touch with me, we could have done that. But guess what? <laughs> you didn't keep in touch with me, bitch. She's so loving and so murderous, and it's amazing. It's it does so remind good. me of you. I know! <laughs> She's literally my favorite. She's so She's great. my favorite. She's ace, murderous, and very obsessed with her people. She's like you if you were really into chemistry. I might have been if I'd been given assassins as teachers instead of the teachers yeah, I got. Yeah, you probably would have been. Uh-huh. I would have been awesome, bro. I would have loved that. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Beyond murder. So, they rescue Timbu. Timbu also, when they're leaving, is like, can't we kidnap him? <laughs> and she's like, he just found out you're a criminal. Give him a moment. <laughs> and I love that because she doesn't say no. She it's says, so like, give him a little time to Not figure it yet. out and we might come back and kidnap him. And I'm just like, bro. Yeah, and so then, then there's one more person they have to go get. Yeah, the navigator. And he's older than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. He worked with her father and or grandfather, but he's not that much older than them. I think but just he the is father, older. Maybe. Maybe just I assume just the father, but he may have met the grandfather. So she her family have been pirates. But it was her grandfather who was the sea he's leopard. A famous, yeah, the sea leopard. Sea he's leopard. a super famous pirate. He, yeah, and he was he mostly still a smuggler, but like he was also like a pirate and he was like pretty well known. Um and he taught her everything. That's how she, like, really got into it. So the family actually tried to go legitimate, and it didn't the work out did. very well for them. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons Amina went back to being, like, ended up being a pirate. She basically, like, stole the ship and was like... She did steal the Yo, ship. Yo, I'm the captain now, and didn't talk to her family for a long time either. Yeah, because, well, and there's also, I mean, she's a woman. Yes. Like, um... A navigator. He's the one that supported her. Yeah, everyone else is like, fuck no to a woman A captain. bunch of people, well, and a young woman yeah. who's never been on the sea. Or at least not, like, enough. Um, he's, like, the reason that she was really able to, like, do that. Because she was, like, I think 18 Very when young. she um, <clears throat> stole her own ship. Because it was her fa- it was her grandfather's right, ship. Her inheritance. So then it was, like, her father's ship, but also she was a girl... But also blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so Majed is the navigator, and he is he is an explorer at mm-hmm. heart. He is not really interested in, like, treasure or, like, any of those things. He and just wants to, like, see the world, Amina. and so he's so good at it. So they all get together. Mm-hmm. They um, go to pick up the fourth person, Majed. Um, she asks him for just some help directing them, and he, of course, decides to come. So now all four characters, the whole crew is together, together. And now they have to go actually find this granddaughter, because at this point, Amina has been threatened with 
like, the death of her family and everything. And all they, they know that she went with Falco. He is a Frank, so yes. he's a, I think, German then. Yes. Or, I don't know, he's a oh, large white history. man. Um, they also know that it has something to do with the, the moon, of, moon of Sabbat. No, the Pearl, pearl of, of Sabbat. Anyway, it's this magical item that's really legendary and supposed yeah. to be really powerful. That's all you really need to yeah. know. Yeah, there's, the there's a lot of really cool, um, like, folklore. It's but really cool when you read it. everyone's looking for this magical item. And, and the, the, the granddaughter's, like, a scholar, kind of, who's obsessed yes. with it. So that's what you find out, is that eventually, um, after they all get together, they track down, um, they track down the person that is the only person that they know who knows this Frank. And that guy dies when he's finally telling him things, and that's how they find out that the Frank is actually an evil he wizard. He dies because, like, his coins start coming up out of his mouth and choke him? The coins that she just paid him to tell uh-huh. her things appear in his throat and choke him to death. And Amina's like, fuck! So they all run away, <laughs> And then they go back to the grandma, and Amina is like, what the fuck did you get me into? And like, I'm not gonna do it, this is too unsafe. Yeah, because again, like, she really does want to prioritize being with her daughter. She really does want to prioritize these other things. She's like, I'm not, I'm not dying for this, like, it's not worth it. And she's, like, very, she wants to help uh, Asif's child because she cares about Asif, but she really is trying to prioritize her family, and, like, what she really should. Grandma, however, is a crazy bitch. Oh, my God. And threatens to murder her entire family if she doesn't do it. Mm-hmm. So she gives in, and they all set off for Falco. And uh, I would say that's where it starts going downhill, but actually it started going downhill when the guys are choking on the oh coins that she gave him. And that's when they set off for... Um, the island, because they, they, because the navigator's so intelligent and so learned. They figure out where He directs you, yeah. them. So, they get all set, and they go to this island that's, like, so hard to get to. They get there pretty well. They have creepily nice weather uh-huh. when they're pretty close. Everyone's celebrating the weather, and Amina's, Amina's like, I don't so like this. Unhappy. I don't like this. It's so funny. <laughs> and then they just drop off the... First mate Tindu, Dalila, and Amina at the island to scout. Because mm-hmm. at this point, they know, like... This is also... So much bad, and they don't know what's waiting like for them. Like, a huge band of pirates lives right. and, like, works out of it's these a, islands. Yeah, it's like the pirate cove yeah. is on the other side of the island. And they do not want to piss them off, because they would die. <laughs> right, because, again, they're technically more smugglers than pirates. Right. Like, they are not violent. That's not what their ship is made for. That's not what they are made for. They're, they're trying to make smugglers a and thieves. Yeah. And they're doing it because they're poor, and they have no power, mm-hmm. and they're put in consistently shitty situations by the rich people around them. Like, um... So they get to the island, and... They are, there's the some three of them who, go scouting. There's some people who live on the island, and they get to the village, and it's, like, a horror show. Um, yeah. So that's when you really, re- like, that's what drives home that Falco is not just, like, 
some crazy sorcerer. He's like legitimately a sociopath, psycho, so like, or a psychopath. Like most of the people from the village are missing, but all some of them, the people except for three elders, and they're like impaled. Yeah, they're it's impaled really into a tree, and were clearly bled, not just killed. Um, but no other people are there, and like nothing else is there. So they're super freaked out. Um, and it's a Christian village, so Dalila um, requests that they bury the people. But at this point, Amina also keeps thinking that they're being followed and stuff, but can't... No one else really believes her, and she can't pinpoint it. And so that's how you meet Rusk. Her last husband, what she calls a demon, it's not technically the right name for him because there's technically no name for him, but he's a magical being. He is super interesting. Oh, he's so hot. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's so type. useless, too, and I love how much they bring that up. <laughs> Me too. Okay, so the first, like, half of the book, Amina makes these shadowy references to her, like, how she's been, like, her dirtbag old husband, how he was so, like, dangerous and evil. So I was expecting some awful evil demon, and Rusk is fucking useless. He is, like, a sad sack. Well, like, that's pathetic. The thing is, he's a chaos demon. He's yeah. not evil. He lives for chaos. And he's, and like, a coward. that is problem. But, like... <laughs> so, Rusk is... He's really interesting. He, like, feeds off of ambition, mm-hmm. right? And so, when he met Amina, it was, like... I mean, it was, like, a feast for him. Like, mm-hmm. he had never met like it had been so long since he'd like eaten that well basically off of her ambition but he also provides luck to those that make a deal with him so he like well i think he provides whatever is in the contract but he offers her specifically luck because she is what she is but because he like offers other things to the other people that's true because he ends you end up finding out that he made deals with two of the best friends and he was in negotiation with Dalila, but Dalila being Dalila, she has she had not agreed yet so he, before everything went down. Russ, like, basically makes deals to survive, but he genuinely, like, he wants to make a legend out of Amina. Like, he's like, I want to make all your dreams come true, partially because he, well, mostly because he profits from it, too. Yeah, but also, like, he's hundreds of years old. He's like, kind of obsessed with her in some ways, I oh, feel like. very obsessed with her. He's also ridiculously hot. Like, Amina's <laughs> like, holy fuck, he's well, hot. Well, because that's the thing, too, is that it's actually his human disguise. Because he has, like, a real face that you, like, get to, like, see through her eyes for, like, a bunch of the book. And he has, like, tusks and, like, spots. claws and spots. And He's still really hot, though, I think, in his demon form. I mean, I think so. <laughs> Um, but he, he's very sassy and smug, and he's very good at manipulation because A, that's part of his power, and B, that's, like, a part of how he does everything. Mm -hmm. And so, there's a lot, there's a bit of time throughout the, I would say until, like, three quarters of the way through the book, you are very unsure of what exactly he did mm-hmm. wrong and how bad it was. And so it's, like, very hard to kind of he gauge, scary like... scary at first, too. Well, like... yeah, he he's about to murder them. Yes. <laughs> um, and so, like, and, c- yeah, because he's a, a magical being, he's much stronger than them. Mm-hmm. But again, like, over the book, it comes out that he is 
kind of a sad sack, and he's obsessed with Amina, so he's actually kind of willing to do some things he that he wouldn't her. otherwise. He's basically still bound to her, and, like, right. has not really eaten well in so long. Rusk is her daughter's father, and Rusk doesn't know she exists. Right, and so that's actually, Rusk complains that they're tied together, and Amina is determined that he doesn't know about the child, so he says it's because they're still married, and they trick him into doing a bunch of stuff. Because they say that divorce is really hard to do. They're like, there's a magical ritual called divorce, but it's really complicated. It's really, and apparently the way that they divorce in in that time period in that world, at least as a Muslim, was like literally both parties have to basically agree to divorce. And and just say like, I divorce you. Yeah. (laughs) So pathetic and sad. And he like... Oh, they also, she locked him in like a chest and sunk him to the bottom of the sea is how they Uh got rid of him. Well, and Um, they um, put chains around the chest. And he literally just waited for them to rust and rot enough that he could get out. (laughs) So it's been, again, like 10 years or 10 plus a few years, like... Something like that. And so, it's not clear how long, but it took at least a few mm-hmm. years for that to, like, rot out And then you have to wait for a ship to come past. Right, because like. the whole thing about, the whole, like, confining thing for him is that he can't travel across water without a contract. Mm-hmm. But that's, like, part of the thing that comes up, because they're almost always on an island. And so then, <laughs> it's constantly like, are we gonna abandon Rusk here? Like... <laughs> And they all, like, hate him, and eventually you learn that they blame him for their friend's death. But I would still argue that it's more complicated than that. Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. So, okay, the friend was the guy who is the the father of the person they're looking for, the kidnapped person. I can't remember his name. We don't... I don't think we really need to know. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. So basically... Rusk, like, kind of ate his soul. But okay, but really Rusk, Rusk only fault. ate his soul because the motherfucker... Yeah. Rusk made a joke. And he was like, what are you going to offer me, your soul? And the guy said, yes. So it's kind of his that own is not fault. Rusk's fault. In a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> Rusk, like, didn't actually intend to eat his soul, but then the deal was made. And he's like, yeah. I wasn't going to say no to eating yeah, his soul. Like, he why would I say it. no to power? But, like, he didn't really intend to kill him. Well, no, and that's the thing, is that what I was confused about for a while was I thought Rusk ate his soul, but he didn't get to. He promised his soul, but then that was, like, on the, his death, and it turns out that Rusk didn't kill the guy. The guy died of pox with everyone else. She mentions that the pox went through oh. the ship, and a third of her ship was lost, including her friend, but he was the only one that got up. And that oh. is where the issue is. I forgot about is that. Is that their friend died a natural death that was no one's fault. So literally, no one should be at fault. But then he came back to life and he murdered 12 civilians. And then they And then they burned, burned him. him at the stake yep. because they didn't know how else to kill him. Arguably, I think he turned into a vampire. Like a soulless vampire. It was bad. But also, like, I would say not even soulless because they make comments about, like, when they're killing him, he's just, like, praying oh, to right. his God and talking, like, asking for forgiveness. He does not it's blame really them. Sad. He's not mean. And I think that that's what breaks all of them, is, like, watching that, um, because he didn't become a monster, but he became a monster. And you learn that they 
all blame themselves because yeah. basically all of them knew Rusk was a demon and was like, I'm the only one who knows. Right. I'm going to keep it a secret because I'm going to make a deal with him. Right. Um, and then they it all comes out and they're all like, everyone's like, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. No, it's my fault. And all the secrets are revealed and they kind of talk it through and get past it a bit. Right. And so it's like, for a good three quarters of the book... You're really unsure of how bad Rusk is, but you're very clear that Amina and them hate him mm-hmm. and think he's, like, devil incarnate. Um, and so he comes out and, like, is threatening to kill them, and then they trick him into helping them find a different way to go to Falco and his men, like, go the sneaky way. So you learn that Rusk has been working with Falco, and then was like, this is fucking bad, and escaped, basically. And that's also how Falco found them all. Falco contacted, like, a bunch of them, and he's kind of also obsessed with Amina, but in the way yeah. that, like, he collects treasures, and he sees Amina as a treasure to collect, very clearly. Well, but he also very much sees her as a tool to help him collect yes. more treasures. Both, so yeah. Yeah, so Rusk gets um, manipulated into taking them in the back way that he escaped, and that's how they get into, um... This camp underground. Right. And so then that's how they find the rest of the people from the village. And that's where it's like, this book, I wouldn't call it gratuitous violence because there's a meaning to it, but it is genuinely... It's meant to be incredibly horrifying. It's really and it, horrifying. It really is. Um... What Falco does to people in multiple parts of the book really, like, makes you kind of stick to the, stick to the stomach level. Like, it's mm-hmm. very, very bad. The next step of the story is that they want to get the villagers who are still alive free. So, she, Amina charges Rusk to take Dalila, Timbu, and all of the villagers to... Um, like, out that back entrance. So she decides to be a distraction because she knows that Falco's looking for her. And that's how you find out that the pirates themselves are a horror show. They're normally strong and something seems wrong with them. Like, something... And that's all she knows at first. And she's like, oh, fuck, I'm really not going to get away from these people. And so Falco tries to just convince her by talking to her to join him. And she's just playing for time, basically. Yeah, she's, so she's trying to like, distract Maybe things. tell me more, even though right. she obviously isn't going to join him. So, and she's, like, terrified. She's, like, very much trying to use, like, all of her manipulation tactics to, like, get free, you know? That's also, I really like that Amina is this, like, incredibly strong, capable person, and she, like, also, and she's really brave, but she also, like, gets to feel fear, and it's like, yeah. I don't know, she just felt so real. She was very much a real person. Like, she's done incredible and interesting things, but all of the things until this book that she's done are very much, like, things that people could do. Like, she has barely run into magic before this. Just enough to have met Rusk and have everything go to Mm -hmm. shit. But, like, this is her story of, like, learning about more magical things and, like, getting sucked into that world. I mean, this is, like, where she becomes, like, a legend in many ways. So, yeah, it goes really badly with Mm -hmm. Falco. You learn about his, like, backstory more, because he just villain monologues for a while, and he... 
I love that he villain monologues and it, that it actually feels real because he's such a pompous uh-huh. dick that, like, you know he would villain monologue. Oh, definitely. And he, his, it's, like, even more fucked up when you know his backstory because he, he was um, in, like, crusades. Yes. So he was not, like, a, a big noble, but, like, his family had lands and stuff and when the Crusades were declared by the Christian church, his dad sold everything to fit them out to go on the Crusades. So he ended up being forced, having no other choices, but to go to the Crusades in Jerusalem. That's where he becomes a, a fighter, a crusader, a knight-type person. Like, he, he learns how to fight, he does it really well, he slaughters a lot of people, and then he, he... discovers that... It is just people being shitty. He really wants to, like, see signs of God, and he, like, is Well, he wants there to be them. a reason yeah. for all of the destruction that he has witnessed. So he gets kind of obsessed with, like, finding any evidence of God and right. signs from and God. Right, and so in order to do that, though, he, like, is a force of pure destruction and fucked up Like, he has, even before you meet him... They mention that he has bragged about fighting on both sides of multiple yes, wars. He has a reputation. He is a mercenary, but he is not like he, he will kill for being paid, but he also just kills to do what he wants. You know what? He, he kills is, to further his own interests. He is terrifying in the way where Real people are. Well, because he thinks he's the good guy. Right! Like, he, he clearly, he's like, he thinks that he is on this great campaign to make the world a better place. And he it's... He is such a white man trope in a really so terrifying scary. way. He believes he's, his own bullshit so hard. He's very... He is genuinely sickening. Yes. Even before you really, like, see the horrible things he chooses to do. And he just gets more sickening. Um... He believes in his bullshit, like, till, until the end. Yes. Like, he never he changes dies believing that. in yeah. it. Yeah, and it's, it's, I think it's, that's what it is. Yeah. That's what's really, like, genuinely fucked up and scary. So, I think it's even, because I feel like sometimes, usually someone as evil as Falco is, because he's so evil, would be, like, cartoonishly villainous. Yeah, he feels very real. He feels so real. And that's the thing, I mean, every character... Even the fucking bird people <laughs> just seem like government. Yes. You know, like, it's weird that everyone ends up just feeling, like, very real in a way, even with all this magic. Like, Falco is this, like, a wizard and shit, but, like, he's just a fanatic in his beliefs, mm-hmm. and, like, he's, it's very creepy. It is, yeah. it's very disturbing. Yeah, feels very real. But, he um, basically... she gets... Is knocked like, out and everything. Yeah, and he's gonna do the same thing to her he's done to the other men to basically, like, change her and make well, and her control follow him. Her, yeah. yeah. So and she that finds out that. Hor- that whole scene is horrifying. It's yeah. really bad. And you, you are... You're really not sure how she's gonna make it out of there because she's passed out, but you have no idea how long because she was passed out. He's given and her something. Some kind of potion that's that, fucked her up, too. Yeah. So she's super drugged, super out of it. You have no idea how much time has passed. All of her people were, like, helping these hurt people. So you have no idea where they are. Um, and then, but, you know, they show up just in time between Dalila and Timbu and Rusk. 
Um, they save her. It's very much a scramble to save her. Mm -hmm. She is very traumatized by the experience. It's super bad. But that is also how they learn that Dalila uh, escaped on a boat, just literally a, like... Now you're talking about... Fucking bitch! (laughs) Do... Where are we? Jamal? Yeah. So, the granddaughter... Turns out. (laughs) Finally found. Turns out, however, the granddaughter... Is not a granddaughter. (laughs) No. We're gonna call him Jamal, because that is the name he ends up choosing. Um, they don't specifically give him specific pronouns, but he's not a girl, and... The Jamal that's telling the story, we are assuming is that Jamal, and they use he, him And for in the that. book, you don't find that out until, like, the very end. Very end. a really cool reveal. So, but I would prefer to call him Jamal yeah. for this purpose. I don't purpose. think we have to use his yeah. name. So, that's how, like, Amina finally finds out who and what exactly Falco is, what the danger is, and finds out where Jamal is. Jamal has basically escaped and just sailed off on, like, a little raft. But it's not even sailed. It's just, like, a little oar boat. And, um, he has sailed off with, like, basically nothing. So with Russ So she's kind of thinking that he might be dead out in the middle of the sea. So, yeah, this is what forces them to take Rusk with them, which Timbu and Dalila are super unhappy about. <laughs> and Maja. <laughs> I mean, so is Amina, to be honest. Yes. But she's also, she's she's very pragmatic and, like... She's also, because Rusk has, like, he can't read thoughts, but he can kind of read emotions or intentions sometimes. Right. And so she is, like, he cannot find out about my da- our daughter. Right. Like, because she is very scared about what that could mean, because she doesn't trust Rusk, because he's not... You can't trust Rusk. Right. Um, so she's also very much, like, guarding that secret. Marjana is so great. And she's she ends a up... sweet little kid. She's finally allowed on the ship at the end, too, and is, like, gonna be allowed to kind of, like, be a part of that, and that's really sweet. And it's interesting because, so, right, Amina has not really dealt with magic beyond, like, Rusk. And she, another one of her fears is, like, Rusk is, like, basically has lived thousands of years or whatever. Like, she doesn't know how long her daughter will live because her daughter's half, she looks human, but she's right. half so then, Yeah, partway through the book, she starts to realize that Rusk is something that she really needs to learn about for the purpose of taking care of her daughter. So, so yes, for a number of reasons, she ends up convincing everyone slash forcing everyone to just accept that Rusk is coming with them. And he, with his, you know, magical bullshit, is able to direct them to Jamal in the middle of the ocean. And you kind of catch up with Jamal, and you learn more about his story, how he got there. You learn that he wasn't kidnapped, like, all of these things. And Amina is very kind of divided to, because she is like, I don't want to force him to be in this place Jamal doesn't want to be in. Like, he ran away for a reason. But also, like, if I don't return him to his grandma, my family will get hurt. So she feels really conflicted on what to do with Jamal. Um, and so they, that's when it all really, really goes to shit, because Falco, you had learned back at the beach when 
Amina got rescued, you'd learn that Falco legit has a sea monster. Yep. So that's um, <laughs> where this all goes oh, even more to shit. I should also say the cover up. of the book is great, and it features the sea monster. Yes. I love the cover. Um, so Falco shows up with his sea monster and his overly superhuman, now slightly, like, legitimately changed crew of fucked up pirates. So there are only, like... 15 or 20 of these pirates, but they're superhumanly strong, mm-hmm. and now they have, like, some of them have tentacles and all of that Rusk stuff. has absconded with, like, the lifeboat, so they can't get anyone else to safety. Oh, yeah, I forgot Rusk, about that! Rusk is also like, we should throw Jamal in the water, because yeah. that's what he wants. And so. they're like, no, Rusk! Yeah. And Rusk is like, I don't understand, I'm just gonna dip them. Yep. <laughs> Amina's so mad when she sees him again. Oh my god. Because they were like, we can get some of the crew to safety. Nope, Russ just took the boat and sailed away. (laughs) So, Falco catches up, it all goes to shit, he wins because he has a sea monster. He also, like, Amina kind of duels him, and she's like, he's pretty good, and I'm very out of practice, (laughs) because it's been But he also has superhuman strength. Yeah, that doesn't help either. So there's, like, a whole bunch, everything's against them. So they lose, but Jamal breaks the magical ex- instructions tablets, so Falco <laughs> is forced to take Jamal back. And that's, like, one of those things, too, is that Falco it hasn't um, controlled Jamal because he wants his mind. Yes. Like, he... At the time, Jamal is seen as a young girl, and Falco... Like, is too obsessed with her in a creepy way, but also, like, not at all about her body. not sexual. No, it's about the fact that Jamal is a really good scholar Uh and knows a lot about these magical items, and Falco is fucking obsessed with magic. And Jamal is very naive. Like, he was like, I didn't think he would actually do the magic if I told him the spells. Like, Jamal is interested in it in a scholarly point of view, and it does not occur to him that someone could use these things for evil. And so he, he is super fucking traumatized. He, like, watched a bunch of, he saw just enough of all the villager stuff to be, like, understand how bad Falco was, and that's why he ran away. And his knowledge was used to do that, too, so he's really fucked up about that. Yeah, and I mean, that kind of... Amina kind of gives some shit for it, and I, like, kind of understand that, like, you need to know more, but it really does not feel like his fault. Like, he's so young, and Amina's also pretty good about it. Yeah. I think Amina, that's also when she's, like... She kind of sees herself in him, I think. And is annoyed by herself. Well, and that's also the thing, is that all the other people... So she decides, um, once things are settled at some point, she decides that she's gonna take Jamal back to the grandmother... And, like, just, she's like, Jamal will just have to marry that guy. He'll be safe. Like, it'll be fine. And the rest of the, her friends are like, you wouldn't have done that. She's like, shut up. And they're like, are you sure you want to do this? She's like, shut up. She'll be safe. And they're like, but is that nice? And she's like, shut up. (laughs) So... Jamal saves them all from Falco. Except Amina. Yeah. So Jamal basically makes a deal with Falco, but kind of forgets to include... She's like, the crew, you have to not kill the crew. And Amina's not part of the crew. Right. So what, does Falco, like, stab her? It's yeah, Falco stabs her with her own blade and throws her off the ship into the... or And or she falls off the ship into the dark 
sea, but she ends up floating on this wood for and two she's weeks. Incredibly weak and like delirious, and you know hasn't had you know water, and it, it's been really she bad. At one point, says she when she finally finds the birds and they're like leading her back to the island. A few of them get too close, and she kills them and drinks their blood. And I was like, oh my god, I did not know that you could do that. Good thing to know if you're ever stranded on the yeah. sea, drink bird's blood yeah. if you need water. So, um, eventually, after two weeks, she gets to this island, and something is fucking weird about this island. The island is very quickly revealed to be magical. Very quickly. There's lots of magical creatures living there. She finds, like, was a mysterious pool of water she drinks from? Is that... It's a tree with um, blossoms that have uh, clean water in them. So she drinks from that, and suddenly she's pretty much healed, and she has super strength. And she wasn't, she's like, huh, am I still delirious? And like, even, like, her, what is it, she has a bad, is it her bad knee? knee? Yeah. yeah. So, like, even, her bad knee isn't, like, healed, but it, like, feels like a decade has been taken off of it. Like, yeah. She, she feels, like, incredibly better. So she's kind of, like, imbued with the magic of this island. And Dang. then guess who she sees? Rusk. <laughs> well, actually, technically, she sees other creatures. That's true. <laughs> thinks they're human. They turn around. They're clearly not human, and they run away from her. And then that's when she's like, she's trying to go after them. And then Rusk is just there eating a bass. Like he literally, they're it's like, like blood is dripping from what him. What are you doing here? Yeah, he's like, what the fuck? And the best thing, she's so mad because he stole the lifeboat and ran away. Yeah. So the first thing she does is punch him, which yeah. never has done anything because he's superhumanly strong. Right. And now she is too, so she actually hurts him. And she she's breaks like, his nose. She's like, I can nose. hurt him now. <laughs> so and then up. he starts like r- trying to run away from her. So they're playing like a little game of like cat and mouse where she's like trying to attack him out of the fact that she hates him, the fact that she's super frustrated and confused, and the fact that she's finally learned she could finally hurt him. And he's such a little bitch, so he oh keeps trying God. to get away from her, and it's like a whole, a whole chapter of them just like great. Just fucking around. So eventually, she gets him to explain where she is, what's happening, and and an idea of how they can get off this island. They meet these bird people, magical bird people called Perrys. So the Perrys are basically like yeah, you want to explain that a little? They're more? like lawful neutral. They're like, we have rules against interference, but also they're assholes. So, Such assholes. <laughs> they're kind of like, you are a human who is on the magical creature island. Um, by our laws and rules, uh, we can't help you. And they're like, they can't technically kill her. Not even help But Well, they just, no, they decide to kill her. Well, see, I thought that they were like, so basically she is on this, like, transparent, like, platform in the sky... And then the Perrys are just like, well, we can't interfere. And they, like, disappear the platform right. to be like, technically, we didn't kill you. You just fell to your death. Because <laughs> they're yes. such dicks. But they did kill. Like, that is murder. I don't care how oh, you Oh, no, it is. It. So they're, like, terrible rules lawyers. So you have to, like, rules lawyer into helping you. Her deal with the Perrys is that these magical items, like the one they're looking for, the Moon of Sabbat or whatever it's called, um, they're really disruptive to the world, which the Perrys hate. So her deal with them is she will find a certain number Five. of them. She'll recover them. Which is also a perfect segue into having more books in the series, exactly. right? Because she could be looking for another one she, each book. She gets forced to stay a pirate. It's great. We love it. It's the best. I, I read that. I was like, yes, 
I know. Because I had no idea. And that's, that's the thing that I really like, is that they kind of, like, it's working with their character development to let their characters develop and still let them, like, kind of move forward in a way that I think is good. Because, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't think it's, like, super healthy to just, like, ignore your passion for No, not at things. all. So... She's so... She... Right, she, she gets, loves the sea. She has so much guilt over... Leaving Marjana. Or, like, I guess I was talking about when she initially oh, left. Like, yes. she has so much guilt over what happened with Asiath, and she has so much fear over Rusk. Right. And then, kind of, this book, a lot of it is, like, she has the power now... So that she, Russ can't really hurt her anymore in the way she was scared of. And she's kind of gotten through that guilt with Asif. So now she can, like, introduce Marjana to this life. and like, Well, and she's fixed her found family. Yes. And so it's, like, they do a really good job with, like, le- putting it all together to a point where they are, um, they're all set up for this next chapter. Jamal is with them as a scholar um, Marjana is not gonna come with them, but is, like, allowed on the boat and is being introduced to all of these other mm-hmm. people, and Marjana has been very isolated because Amina was so scared, and that's another part of Amina's character development is learning that, like, she can't just hide her kid away from the world. You know, it's world. actually really similar to how she reacts to Jamal initially, too, where she's like, exactly. maybe Jamal won't be happy, but he'll be safe, and... No, that's how she figures it right. out. Right. Like... It's having to work through it with Jamal that teaches her that she needs yeah. to treat um, Marjana like differently. Freedom, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, that's all really good. Basically, yeah, the, the climax, they defeat Falco. Yeah, they, obviously. Of course, they, they managed to <laughs> defeat them. Everyone... Um, Amina frees the, uh, the sea monster, which is great. Oh, they also do abandon Rusk again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I love it. Okay, so the very end, Rusk is like... Amina, I still want to make you into, like, a legend. I'm so obsessed with you. And Amina is like, well, let's have sex. And so then they do, and you, like, kind of think, at least I thought initially, I was like, oh, okay, Russ is going to keep following along, because Amina's, like, sleeping with him. And, which she's, like, refused to do the whole time, even though she's kind of thirsty for him. Um, kind of? <laughs> very. She's yeah. kind of thirsty for Amina any hot man, though. Men all the time. Amina is such, like, an amazing straight character, because she is so hot for men. Oh especially, God. you know, like, hot very well, um, But like, also kind of thinks a lot but, of men are useless. <laughs> anyway, so she sleeps with Rusk, and then you find out... That was just basically to distract Russ so they could... It wasn't just to distract... She she wanted wanted to to get fucked. But also it was additionally to distract Russ so they could once again (laughs) abandon him. And she basically then, right, then you find out that Jamal has been writing her story this whole time. And she's basically like, I'm going to entrust my legend to Jamal, not to Rusk, which is great too. (laughs) And she also says, like, I don't need Russ's help to become... A legend. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was a part of it, too, is that, like, she was relying on him and, like, like looking for that. And she's like, no, like, I can do this on my own. I can do this with my people. Yeah, it's it's such a good book. It's such a good adventure book. But the characters don't suffer for it. Like, you still have yeah. such good characters and relationships. Yeah, and again, like, what we prefer is that characters are the base of the book. And mm-hmm. they very much are. Just, she also manages to make such an incredibly beautiful, intricate world full of, like, 
things that have been, like, mentioned and brought up in the past, like, old folklore pieces mixed in with stuff that Mm -hmm. she made up. There was a lot of diversity. Um, The people were all from mostly, like, different areas, but still, you mostly kind of Middle East, India. I learned so much about the historical setting. It was really cool. And, like, um, they, a bunch of different religions are represented, and it talks about, like, how those religions have been harmful to each other and to their own people. And they also, like, mention that, like, a lot of the people still practice those religions. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's discussion kind of about, like, what that means and what that has a role, like, what role that is. There's a diversity of how devout different characters are. Right. Um, And also, like, again, like, Amina changes how devout she is. So, like, it's a... There's a lot of conversation about the pieces, um, and they don't talk that much about sexuality, but it feels the same way that we've talked about in, like, the Gideon books, where it's almost just because it doesn't matter, but they also do bring up, again, how society looks at Mm -hmm. things, so it's like, they're aware of it, and they don't, like, pretend to not be, but they also, I mean, they're they're pirates, they're smugglers, they've created a world where they are much closer to what they want to be. It's like a book about the, like, joy and power of figuring out how to fight against oppression, you know, and how to find the place where you want to be, even when the world doesn't want to let you be there. Um. You know, you create community and safe space for yourself. Yeah, it has some really good, like, found family tropes with that stuff, too, because, like, you know, family doesn't necessarily understand, but also, like, some families do, mm-hmm. and they have, like, some really good conversations. Like, Amina and her, her, Amina's mom initially was, like, very unhappy with her choice to be a pirate, but Amina just, like, did not fit in in the, like, kind of feminine right. space she was supposed to fit into, and then her and her mom have come to actually really understand each other. Yeah, they've actually come to be, like, very close in a way that seems pretty cool and pretty mm-hmm. healthy. I think a lot of that is because they, like, have this base of respect for each Mm -hmm. other. And that was, like, really cool to see, that she's, like, built, you know, this, like, family for herself. I mean, it feels, like, just so mature, you know? It's not like a teenager being like, I hate you, mom. Like, it's, like, her and her mom both worked through their shit and, like, were there for each other. I really like to, it's commented on several times that Amina has kind of, like, a more traditionally, like, mask physical appearance. Like, she's very large and strong and like imposing and intimidating right um yeah which also like i don't know i just it's it's great to just like not have you know really typical right tiny Tiny, skinny femme characters and i feel like actually like the queen of poisons dalila dalila I don't really feel like they describe her body almost I at all. Don't remember. And I at honestly all. really appreciate that yeah. because, like, it doesn't matter what she looks like. First of all, they use a lot of disguises. Um, they use the fact that they're women for their advantage, but otherwise, they're like mostly dressed as, um, like men or at least like wearing trousers and yeah, stuff because they're literally clothing. yeah. Everyone is kind of let be whatever they are. Mm-hmm. And, like, Amina 
has a bad knee and is, like, tall and intimidating, and she plays that up and stuff. I really like that, like, because Amina's, like, a really good sword fighter, but I love when she's dueling Falco, and she's like, I have not really fought in ten years, and it's like, Mm -mm. because that also feels really realistic. I don't know, you think about, like, Taken or all the movies like that, where it's like, John Wick, you know, where he's instantly an amazing assassin again, and it's like, you haven't done this shit in ten years, you're gonna be rusty. And she actually was, and I liked it. Yeah, and I I liked that they did this whole thing where, like, they kept talking about, like, oh, maybe I'm too old for this, and, like, I hurt too much. And then she gets fucking super strength, and it's just like, well, that's not really a problem anymore. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) And I'm just like, it leads it to these next books with this idea of, like, she's such a full character, and she's so human and so relatable. Mm -hmm. And also, like... She's kind of an awesome badass that is totally going to be able to kick anything's ass. But I love, too, that she gets to be saved, and it's not, like, a thing, right? Like, her friends save her when she's in trouble, and she's not, like, embarrassed or ashamed. She's like, thank you for fucking saving me, you know? They save each other. All of that to say, amazing book. Very much looking forward to the next ones. Really hope there are next ones. It's just, like, a very good arc of a story, there's, like, mysteries that get figured out very organically, um, and it leaves you in a really cool place. Yeah, like, you could so be satisfying left. at the right. end. Right. Like, you could be left there. I just want more because I love the characters exactly. so much. No, I, I yeah. really want more. But at this point, it almost just feels like anything extra is just, like, awesome Frosting. extra. <laughs> yeah, like, it's just, like, like I'm just excited about it. an amazing it. cake. <laughs> yeah.